0: If you look at what employees are looking for they've gotten a taste of freedom they are looking for some flexibility they want to be treated like adults they want to be respected and they want to be you know given the opportunity to achieve better work-life balance you are listening to ceo perspectives a podcast by the conference board
1: welcome to this episode of ceo perspectives a signature series by the conference board ceo perspectives are conversations take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odlin from the Conference Board and the host of this podcast series. And in today's conversation, we're going to discuss a topic that's top of mind for many employees and companies around the world, and that is returning to the office. What are the pros and cons of not only returning to the office, but also other arrangements, including remote and hybrid work? What are the current trends? How have they changed from the COVID days, and how will they change going forward? Joining me today is Diana Scott. She's the new leader of the U.S. Human Capital Center at the Conference Board. We're so excited to have her here and to make her debut appearance on this podcast. Diana, welcome.
0: Thank you, Steve. I'm really happy to be here. So
1: Diana, you are a superstar in the human capital world. You have to share with us briefly your, you've been CHR of several companies and lots of consulting experience, but just give us a brief, uh, a brief on your background.
0: Sure, Steve. Well, I don't know that I'd call myself a superstar. But no, no, thank no you I for did. I can that. say that. That's lovely. Um, I have been in the CHR role three times in the past 15 years um, at mostly financial services companies. And prior to that, I was in a general management role across uh, three different businesses in a financial service company. And prior to that, I was in consulting. And I started my career in marketing. Wow, you couldn't hold a job. Uh, clearly, I cannot.
1: <laughs> but you are a you are a, an expert and a and a superstar and perfect for this subject. So you know this whole thing about remote started when, of course, they shut the economy down and nobody had a choice. You just had to you had to do it in order to keep going then it ended, it opened back up, and we're kind of in a chaotic period. I mean, maybe it's a little post-chaos, but you've got a situation where some people are all remote, some people are saying, get back into the office, and some people are trying to do it both ways. Talk about what's going on, and what are the pros and cons of all these combinations?
0: Sure, I think that um, post-pandemic, what we're finding is that employees kind of got a taste of freedom. And so they don't necessarily want to come back into the office full time. And many employers, many managers are saying, "We need you back into the office," because they see a lot of benefits to that. So what we're happening, what what's happening right now is we have a hybrid situation, and I think hybrid is actually here to stay. Um, in our latest uh, work that we uh, put out just recently, "Reimagined Workplace 2023." We found that 56% of all workers are working in either f- hybrid or fully remote. Um, and it really differs dramatically based on workers. So I think we have to realize that depending on the kind of organization you have, the time, type of workers that you have, um, you have to really navigate these waters very carefully. If you have service workers, if you have um, you know, industrial or manual services type laborers, you're gonna find that most of those are having to go back into the office full time. I think our statistics show that 82% are on site five days a week. But if you have knowledge workers, they can do a lot of their work at home. And so I think what we're finding is we have to we have to negotiate. We have to find the right balance and we have to create a delicate balance.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we read recently uh, the irony of ironies, which was the Zoom company, the company that enables all of this remote work said, well, remote work doesn't work for them. And they're having their people come back to the office. What's that all about?
0: Well, I think the fully remote work, we've had a lot of research from a lot of different companies that say that, um, you know, it's really hard to find workers connecting. It's hard to um, really build collaboration, build culture, build a sense of belonging. Um, I think leaders are very concerned about productivity and innovation. So yes, uh, they want their workers back in the office. On the other hand, there's research that says that workers really enjoy the flexibility. And they, you know, 71% of them are saying they want to work in a flexible environment, which is why we're finding that this hybrid arrangement is probably where we're going to go. And it's, you know, it's here for the future as well, I think.
1: Yeah. And I, I, you know, it plays into engagement surveys and scores around work-life balance too, doesn't it?
0: It absolutely does. I mean, I think workers feel that Giving them flex, giving them flexibility, gives them an opportunity to balance their lives better. They can balance when they do their work, how they do their work. They can uh, take time to do, take care of personal responsibilities at home, and still be extremely productive. And I think productivity is an interesting question that we all have to address, because I think you know, on on one hand, productivity um, has declined. But on the other hand, sometimes productivity has increased. So I think we need to kind of look at the look at the data and do more digging. I think we don't have enough data right now to really understand what is happening.
1: Yeah. And, you know, um, we're sitting here in New York, of course, which and we have people who have two hour commutes each way. And so the people who can work from home now save four hours a day with all of that. And of course, the you know, the expenses of that and the expenses of lunch out, all of that. So you can see where in the large urban area, you know, employees would say, gosh, this is a much better situation if I, if I can work from home, I have a better quality of life, even if I work the exact same number of hours. Now, that may not be exactly the same, you know, in a suburban setting or, you know, uh, an ex-urban setting, right? So it kind of depends on where you are.
0: The hybrid work arrangements and the remote work arrangements are more prevalent in the larger cities, as you said, because of things like commuting. I think if you look at some of the studies, um, there's not a large body of research though on around, around productivity. And um, I don't think there's a lot of agreement either on how people want to or can even measure productivity. It's very easy when you're talking about things like You know, IT support, data entry, customer service—we have metrics. We know what constitutes a productive worker. But when when it comes to the knowledge workers, you know, what are really the metrics that define that productivity? And what are the things that you're losing when you are all remote? When you're not able to bring your team together? And so I think um, that's where we need to be a little bit more nuanced about how we look at the pros and cons of remote versus in office and try to find that and navigate that delicate balance. Yeah.
1: And any commission-based job too, you know, where you're paying for, you know, specific output and you can tie uh, compensation to that, it's, it's a little easier to see, but even there you lose something from a fully remote situation, right?
0: Absolutely. And I think there've been a lot of studies recently that have um, looked at, you know, productivity in terms of innovation, in terms of collaboration, in terms of networking, in terms of sense of belonging. And um, we see declines in people's ability to connect. Uh, Microsoft just actually did a very interesting study of their on their own workforce. And um, they wanted to study fully remote workers. And their conclusion was that the work really neg- negatively impacted their collaboration networks. And I think what they meant by that is they felt like as more and more people worked only remotely, that collaboration network became more static, people became more siloed, there were sort of fewer bridges, um, you know, across disparate parts of their organization. And they feel like that, in the end, really decreased their effectiveness to innovate and 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 create new products and create a, a culture that they were looking to create.
1: So, assuming there's not another pandemic which forces mm-hmm. us to, you know, into that situation, do you think that company that any companies would benefit or or keep hundred percent remote for
0: any reason? I think there's certain jobs. This is where it, it's nuanced again. There are certain jobs where yes, you could perform those perfectly remotely, and they're task driven. Um, for example, I read a study recently where people who are accountants and certain jobs in accounting can do those tasks and do them very efficiently and very effectively, and they don't really require a lot of teamwork. So those kinds of jobs could be 100% remote. I remember when I was at Hancock, we um, we did we we made our underwriters fully remote because their their work was very piece driven, very heads down, very individual contributor. And so they could be very efficient and effective. It and... wasn't
1: because of their lack of social skills.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely not. I've known some very nice underwriters <laughs> and actuaries having worked in the insurance Except industry for a long Except when they're
1: our time. insurance rates. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, you you raise a really good point because there are. It's. I think it comes back to the individual contributor piece of it, doesn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, because there are a lot of software developers who seem to be able to be more productive you know, and measured, you know, when they're sitting in a remote situation, they're not bothered by, you know, all the hustle and bustle and whatever goes on in an office.
0: Exactly. And I think that's where it's important that companies and leaders and managers really take a look at their workforce and analyze, you know, which jobs really are those all focused, heads down, and maybe those can be fully remote and you bring them into the office for some collaborative celebrations a few times a year. But I think many of those roles, they have focus work, and then they have collaborative work. And I think we need to understand when when is appropriate to do both of those. And in-office is definitely more appropriate for collaborative celebration, um, innovative work, the networking that one benefits from. Those are all very, very important things to do in the office. So if leaders can be very thoughtful about how they look at their workforce and say, what's the right balance of this? And how do we make the the office, reimagine the office as a place where this collaborative, vibrant, culture-building work can happen, and then still allow some flexibility? Because our workers do like flexibility. We know that's what employees want. Allow them the flexibility to spend time doing their focus work at home.
1: So what you're saying, what I hear you saying is that um, there are some positions which can be mostly remote and and it works well, but but not a full company situation because that, you know, it doesn't cover all the positions. So let's do the opposite. Are we ever going to be 100 percent back in the office?
0: Honestly, I don't see that happening. If you look at what employees are looking for, they've gotten a taste of freedom they are looking for some flexibility. They want to be treated like adults. They want to be respected. And they want to be, you know, given the opportunity to achieve better work-life balance. Even employees, though, will say they recognize there are things that they lose from not being with their teams in the office. So I think we can find that happy middle ground where everybody can be very happy as long as we, you know, come up with a model that provides that flexibility, but also, you know, addresses the needs to, you know, bring people back into the office place for the tasks that are important, for the team building, for the culture building.
1: Yeah, we should probably point out that we are talking about more of a a professional knowledge based uh, situation in office. And in fact, you know, a huge number of jobs in this country are not that kind of a job. I mean, if you're driving a truck or, you know, whether it's over the road or delivery, or if you're working in a retail situation or a service organization or in anywhere in the supply chain, manufacturing, I mean, you're- Healthcare. Healthcare. I mean, you you really, you can't do that remotely, right? A lot of that. So A lot of that. So we're, what we're talking about is a slice of the employment.
0: Exactly. And if I go back to the reimagined workplace study um, that we just published, if you look at those respondents, about 60% of the respondents uh, were- Either employees or CHROs or leaders in companies that you know really are knowledge worker companies, and the other forty percent were from companies that are more in service, healthcare, um, you know, manufacturing, things like that. And there was a dramatic difference. Like I said, I think it was eighty-two percent of the workers in those you know uh, service-oriented uh, companies were definitely you know, in office five days a week. And they didn't see that changing very much.
1: You know, it was an interesting, um, it was an interesting time during COVID and, you know, we, everybody was remote and so forth. And the studies we did during that period showed that CHROs thought the productivity had actually increased. Over time, that changed and it was particularly CEOs who saw it first saying, this isn't working. You know, I'm losing productivity, I'm losing so much. And then the CHROs kind of came around and said, okay, this isn't quite the same. So what was it about that early period versus as time went on? Was there a change in how people were behaving or was it the novelty?
0: Well, I think we know that there is there, there's a detriment to working from home that, that has to do with you know your sort of mental health because there's a sense of isolation, there's a sense of disconnectedness. And I think over time, that can have an impact on how a team works together. And if you think back to that Microsoft study that I just talked about earlier, they found that over time, the ability for teams to work together and be productive, you know, that sort of synchronous communication fell apart and and then the teams weren't as effective they became more siloed so i think over time that's exactly what happened
1: so it was it was the long run effect versus the short run exactly it was very very interesting all right we're discussing remote versus in the office and what's going to happen we're going to take a short break
2: and we'll be right back are you ready to transform your business and stay ahead of the competition Artificial intelligence is quietly reshaping the global economy, optimizing manufacturing processes, and transforming how users interact with popular platforms. Harnessing the power of AI can exponentially enhance your business's effectiveness and efficiency. However, navigating the risks associated with this transformative technology is critical. Privacy, integrity, the economy, and humanity are all at stake. That's why the Conference Board is your go-to resource for the expertise and foresight you need to leverage AI to its fullest potential and make strategic moves that propel your business forward. Unlock the possibilities AI offers your business. Visit tcb.org slash AI today to access trusted insights for what's ahead and guidance on navigating the AI transformation.
1: Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the conference board, and I'm joined today by Diana Scott, the leader of the U.S. Human Capital Center here at the conference floor. Okay, so let's go back to this short-term versus long-term deal, because I think what happened is there was some novelty and you know, people were trying to figure it out. Then over the long-term, things changed, and we found out that there were, there were some differences. So what do companies give up when a sit when they have a, a remote situation,
0: well, they give up uh, the sense of belonging, the sense of um, teamwork. There are a lot of cultural elements that are difficult to replicate when you're working in a virtual world. And I think, as you, if you look at what happened during the pandemic, leaders. I was CHRO at the time. You know, we all rallied to try to figure out how do we keep our teams connected. How do we begin to, you know, continue to innovate and continue to communicate appropriately? And it was hard. It was very hard. I think people worked really hard to, to make it work, but they had to, the leaders really had to step up and they had to evolve how they lead. Um, leading a hybrid team is complicated as well. And I think that's that's one of the things that that you know, CHROs and C-suites really need to focus on is How do we get our leaders to be more effective leaders in this hybrid model? And we have some lessons that we learned through the pandemic. We also have lessons that we learn as we look at global companies who have, you know, uh, dispersed teams. And, and and I think that learning to juggle All of that and becoming an effective leader at bringing your teams together, whether they're in a different location across time zones or whether some are working from home. There's certain things that you really have to pay attention to and be sensitive about. And one final thing, I think during the pandemic, as we saw more and more people feeling isolated, um, leaders that stepped up and really reached out to their workers and checked in on them. Those are the ones that, you know, the research showed later on, employees would say that made all the difference to me because a sense of isolation when you're working remotely is real. And and leaders who try to bring the teams together that way, that's a lesson that we've learned. And I think we need to apply that going forward, even as, if we move forward in this hybrid model. Yeah. And,
1: you know, it's easy to understand 100% remote that that's 100% remote and 100% in the office is hundred percent in the office but this hybrid thing actually takes on different flavors right so there's because and you were just talking about it so you you can have a hybrid situation where you everybody's remote monday and friday and everybody's in the office tuesday wednesday and thursday you can have a hybrid situation where you have some people who live elsewhere in the country and some people don't you can have a hybrid situation where Kind of everybody is on their own hours or their own days. And so you have you know you in any one given time, you've got some people that are you know phoning it in versus some people some people that are in the office. So there are there are multiple definitions even of hybrid, and the implications are different depending on which version you're using
0: exactly. And I think you have to be very careful to manage the flexibility that cr- you create for your team um and and create some norms and actually involve your team i think some of the best practices we're seeing is that leaders the really good leaders will involve their team and, and saying, how do we want to work together? What are the norms for how we're going to behave to one another? How do we treat one another? Um, you know, When do we want to be in the office collectively? And what type of work are we going to focus on? Because we agree this is what we need to focus on when we're in the office together. What type of work do we do You know, when we're in our individual places, whether it's at home or, or offices? When do we do our focused heads down work. And you really make that differentiation. And, and many of the C-suite leaders are saying that if they um, really empower their business unit leaders to, to look at their workforce and say what's appropriate for their business unit, that's a much usually a much more successful way to get to a hybrid model that provides the flexibility, but also works.
1: Now, some, you know, some employment attorneys are concerned about you know, fairness and consistency and all that, how do you, how do you advise people to deal with that? You know, because if you, if you leave it up to every group to do their own thing, they're going to go, whoa, wait a minute. You know, that group is, you know, they're, they're having, you know, bowling parties every week and we're sitting over here and, and uh, it's not fair.
0: I, well, I think a couple of things you have to provide some guardrails and guidelines from the top. Um, So you, you want to sort of have a, have a playbook, so to speak. You
1: put the gutters in the alley. Yeah,
0: yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But you also, I mean, I think you also have to point out that everybody's work is different and how teams need to work together and the work product they need to develop and, and, you know, their objectives are all going to be different. So you, you know, one size does not fit all. And I think that's an important lesson for everybody. So CEOs who want to say, I want to mandate, everybody has to be in the office Tuesday and Thursday, and everybody works from home Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Well, that may not work for every team. So try, I think, I think the, the kind of advice that we're hearing now from many research studies and many practitioners is provide some flexibility, you know, to your leaders in the organization to say what's appropriate for their workforce, for the type of work that they're doing. And give that flexibility while also providing some guardrails. Obviously, yeah.
1: You know, it's it's interesting. One of the things we learned through this is just how much stuff happens in companies that's unscheduled and unplanned. And so, when we were 100% remote, you didn't dial up a Zoom meeting to say, you know, hey, how are you doing? How are the kids? That kind of thing, because it was just didn't feel right. I mean, it was for it was formal. It was, you know, it was it was the reason i think people thought it was productive was because gosh we could you know we could get more done in a meeting because the because the small stuff went away but the so-called water cooler talk or the informal communications and the informal actions and interactions didn't happen in a 100% remote situation exactly. that's a
0: lot that's a lot and as we know from many of the studies that we've done that's the sort of mortar between the bricks that connects things for people and and if you're missing the mortar the bricks are not necessarily going to stay stable and so figuring out how to make sure that in the hybrid model you're you're ensuring that that informal contact still happens is really important
1: but it it it, it also requires that you understand what kind of informal stuff was, I'd say stuff was happening in in your company too, because that became part of it. There was people were doing things, communicating, you know, having these conversations, having these cross-functional meetings that, you know, nobody, nobody wrote down. It wasn't part of the the business process, you know, so you remember back to business process engineering where you used to document every step. Well, yes, I mean because it was informal, but there's value to that informal those informal actions.
0: Exactly, and I think the leaders, if you look at some of the research that we've been doing, the leaders will say that you know that is where the productivity decreases happen because you miss out on that uh, sense of, of of teamwork, collaboration. The Microsoft study said that when you when you have lost some of those opportunities for the water cooler talk, so to speak, the informal communication where people are building relationships, trusting one another, they start to collaborate and and brainstorm about things. When you miss that, the work begins to get very siloed and stale. And so replicating that kind of interaction is really important. And I think many, many workers are now, many leaders are now looking to, how do we make sure that the time when people are in the office, office, if it's not going to be five days a week, if it's going to be two days or three days a week, which is the average, by the way, right now in this hybrid model, three. two, yeah, 2.7 something. So yeah, so two to three days is what most companies are kind of settling on today. We'll see where that evolves. If if you're only going to be in the office two to three days a week, you have to be very intentional about, you know, how do you make sure that the right people are coming together on the, the right days? How do you make sure that you allow some time and even try to schedule some of these things? People are scheduling celebratory events. People are scheduling, you know, things that you normally would think would have just happened organically we're being a little bit more deliberate about it to happen on those days when people are actually in the office. So
1: basically, understand the informal stuff that needs to happen and do it deliberately. Make yes. it Make it somewhat formalized, and we don't we don't mean you know where yeah. you know where formal clothes. We're just saying you have to be deliberate about it because you can't count on it happening the way it used to happen.
0: Like. Bagel Thursday.
1: Bagel Thursdays. There you go. Yes. Well, the other thing that uh, that that you've talked about is the difference between people who are early in their career versus late in their career. And talk about yeah, the hybrid there, world.
0: There are definitely generational differences in some of our research that's popping up where many young people are feeling they have lost out on some of the networking, mentorship, and frankly, advocacy that they could get from some of the more senior people in the organization during the pandemic. So I think they're looking for that. But they're also, you know, ironically, it's sort of, they're also looking for a lot of flexibility. So trying to find that right balance for them is really important. Many of the older generation, the baby boomers, for example, they're very comfortable with where they are so they're less inclined to want to you know come and socialize or network or worry about you know company culture and things like that so i think figuring out how to entice them back into the office is going to be important as well you know how do you leverage the fact that they are experienced And maybe use them as mentors for some of the younger generation
1: well this experience thing is important because if if the you know what you what you got from some of the informal stuff is is as you said mentorship but it's also a little bit of apprenticeship you learn how to do the job because you you know you talk to the people who had been there longer and you know how did you do this and there was some so there was some informal training that that goes on and so how do you develop a career how do you develop the skill sets how do you the competencies that you need in order to advance in your career when there's nobody there to do that with you, or you're not there to do that. So there's we have to be thinking about all the developmental issues.
0: Exactly, and actually we've done some really interesting work recently about um, leading in a hybrid world, which also points to the need for more mentoring and many companies are looking at more a slightly more formal mentoring programs. You don't want it to be too prescribed because there is a lot of you know, relationship and chemistry involved in that mentoring. but trying to, again, put some structure around that and encouraging people who have the right skill sets and experience to be mentors to those younger generations, which sets up a model that's much more like the apprenticeship that, you know, of times ago that we don't have anymore. Final thoughts for CHROs. I think CHROs have an opportunity to really step up in the C-suite and help the C-suite work together to say, what is the model that we want um, as, a, as, a, as an executive team? And how, how are we going to bring that back to our organization and be real culture carriers and and model the behaviors that we're looking for from others. So I think CHROs have an opportunity to lead on this one.
1: Yeah, wonderful comment. Diana Scott, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the
0: conference for. Thank you very much, Steve, it's my pleasure.
1: And thank you to all of you for listening in to CEO Perspectives. Every week I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover leading topics in economics, public policy, ESG, human capital, and more. Please share CEO Perspectives with your colleagues, with your friends. If they're not in the office, find them remotely and have them listen. I'm Steve Odlin, and the series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.